So we are back with another solo cast. Super, super excited to have you guys with us for this one, as always. And um, wanted to share a few things with you that are going on right now. You may be aware or you may not be aware. And then also give you a few updates on what's going on with the podcast, our upcoming guests, and uh, things of that nature. We're still here. The Not Your Mother's podcast is still going strong. I know things have tapered off a bit lately, and we've been... Uh, from two, maybe three podcasts a month. We've gone down to one. We're going to work on ramping that up, so we're getting about every other week or so a uh, podcast out there for you every Sunday. So I apologize that we've been lagging lately. That's all on me, but um, we're still here. We're still going strong, like I said. We're going to go over a few things in this podcast. We've got some stuff going on in the IFB right now that is so terrific. There's some really exciting stuff going on when it comes to outing uh, IFB perpetrators, and we're going to get into that shortly and how that plays out and how and why someone can let their kids, uh, you know, let this happen to their kids and just keep on going like nothing ever happened, how it happens in the first place, how these men get in this position of power, and uh, how people allow them to continue to perpetrate even after it's quite obvious to them that they're guilty of these crimes. We'll get into that, I swear to you. But first, I want to kind of give you a couple updates and then uh, we'll get going here. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, first of all, uh, I did want to tell you that uh, I know I posted some things about it previously, done a couple, made, I shouldn't say done, made a couple of attempts <laughs> at live Facebook videos and they didn't go so so terrifically, but we have been in business for over a year. So, <laughs> high five to you guys because you made it happen. Wouldn't happen without you. Uh, there's no way, and we don't. We're not here for likes and comments and shares. It's fun, and we enjoy it. But most importantly, we thoroughly enjoy helping those of you that need to kind of find your way or figure out what in the world the IFB is, <laughs> or um, you know, uh, if you're on the fence about getting out, or if you're uh, you're on your way already, and we can be of help. That's what this is all about. That's what this. Not every single episode, but that's what the majority of this podcast has become about, uh, helping you find your way out, or if you're already out, helping you find your way to what you want to do after that. So, excuse me. So, um, in that in that vein, uh, on that note, I want to tell you about a couple upcoming episodes that I'm super excited about, so stay tuned. We've got my dear, dear brother, who I love very much, uh, the indomitable Andy Hardy, I can't wait for you guys to see this episode. We recorded it months ago, and I've been lagging on getting it up, so we're definitely going to be posting that soon. I'm super excited about it. can't wait for you to see it. I mean, I love my brother. What can I say? But on top of that, we've both exited the IFB, and if you know me, there's a good chance you know him as well. So seeing us together and, and being able to uh, bond a little bit on camera has been fun. I'm not going to lie. Also, we just recorded a third episode with the amazing John Keister that I think you're really going to enjoy. If you remember, we've had two episodes with him previously. Whether you remember or not, if you know John, uh, check in for that episode. I guarantee you, you'll enjoy it. Uh, and we, we go over a whole lot of things. I recently had quite a fun Facebook, uh, we'll call it tussle, uh, with some IFB, that's Independent Fundamental Baptist, for those of you that may not know. Um, I had quite a tussle with some IFB uh, lovers that were very much anti-gay, uh, very much racist, 
And so I shared that with John. I actually shared that live with him on the podcast during our recording, some of their comments, because I told them that they would uh, in that thread. I just kind of said, hey, I'm going to share this with my gay friends and see how much they you know, appreciate how much you hate them. <laughs> and John was gracious and kind enough to let me do that. So anyways, enough pumping the podcast. We'll get into today's material. But I did want to kind of prep you and let you know we got a couple of amazing episodes coming up uh, on the lighter side. Uh, the lovely Chloe Jane is coming back with us. We've got an episode recorded uh, of hers, and I'm super excited for you guys to see that one as well. Very incoherent, <laughs> as usual, and uh, very silly, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for you to check it out. So, uh, on this episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast, we're going to be talking about the article that was recent, re- recently released um, uh, out of Texas uh, with the investigative reporter Sarah Smith, and I'll give you the more details on that, and I'll shoot you a link if you need one. But it, it, it covers so much of what has happened within the IFB in the last, shoot, 30, 40 years. And uh, very comprehensive is the right word. I've been looking for that word for days, so it must be the whiskey talking. Uh, Very comprehensive, very uh, everything from what I call low-hanging fruit in the IFB to the tippy-top Hiles administration slash era. Uh, Very, very helpful. And if you want a link, I will put this one. I know I always say I will, but this time I actually will put this one in a link uh, in the comments on Facebook and in the description on YouTube, so you guys can check that out. That article is so, so far-reaching and so helpful to all of those of us that have escaped the IFB and uh, that are trying to better our lives and trying to, excuse me, trying to warn others, I don't know what that was, trying to, as a burp, trying to warn others about what's going on in the IFB. So we're going to go over that briefly. And we're also going to go over something I've been getting a lot of questions on lately, and that's the Sarah Jackson versus Cameron Giovanelli case. I don't think that's how it's uh, properly worded, but that's how I word it. And I did speak with Sarah uh, a couple of days ago, and she gave me permission to share what I'm going to share. So uh, always know that if, if I ever am sharing a video or reading a comment from someone where I named them, I always have permission from them. I, I would never do that without their permission, most especially a victim uh, survivor of the IFB. So... Pardon me. We're going to play those videos towards the end, talk about what's going on with Sarah. She's got a video she's put out in regards to the case and what's going on, what is ongoing, um, what to expect uh, moving forward. I don't know exactly when this podcast is going to air, but this past Sunday, December 9th, the Star-Telegram out of Fort Worth, Texas, put out a piece on the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement, uh, and more specifically the rapists and the leaders and all the craziness that's gone on inside that movement over the last 20 to 30 years. And we, as far as I know to date, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, put it in the comments, but as far as I know to date, we have yet to have something this comprehensive or this, um, this, I don't know what the right word is, but just, man, line by line, like everything that they talk about in this article, we've got videos uh, where victims tell their stories. We've got um, uh, witness accounts of things that happened inside of these churches. It's just so, uh, it spans so many different uh, things when it, when it comes to the IFB, so many different people, lots of name dropping, uh, lots of locations that are mentioned. And I'm just excited for you guys to see it if you haven't seen it already. If you have seen it, please, if you're comfortable with it, Please feel free to share this article. A lot of work went into what happened 
um, to make this article come to fruition. So if you've seen the article, please, please, please share it. If you haven't shared it, at least go ahead and leave a comment. I, I, no personal gain to me. It's just something where a lot of victims have taken the time to write something down, to, to record a video. Sarah Smith did an incredible job of just nailing everything to the wall with her investigative journalism, tracking people down as far as victims, making sure they're, they're comfortable sharing their story, and then in some instances even flying to their location to get footage of them talking about what had happened to them and ongoing what's going on in the cult. So if you have seen it, great. If you've shared it, great. If you haven't, feel free to share it or um, you know at least go leave a comment there because they have done some incredible investigative work. And as far as I know, it's ongoing. So this article isn't a one-time thing. I don't know if they'll be exploring other cults, but definitely some more um, IFB uh, in, um information is needed. So if you have more information, reach out to me and I would be more than happy to put you in touch with Sarah. She doesn't have to use your name. Uh, there's a lot of anonymous in that article where people just wanted to share how they how they felt or what they thought and she didn't have to name everyone off. So feel free, even if you want to remain anonymous, and I am going to be telling your story soon, I know I keep saying that, but with this article coming out, I feel more pressure to uh, tell your stories for sure. So keep that in mind. And with that, we're going to get into something that I went into the comments as the podcast on this article's Facebook page and just kind of looked to see what people were talking about, what people were thinking about. And I've come across in the past and then even more recently, most especially with this article, I've come across a lot of people just incredulous as far as like, well, why would you let that happen to your kids? Or why would you as an adult allow that to happen to you? Or why would you even stick around in this place, in this cult, in this church if this stuff is actively going on and you know it's going on. And and from the outside looking in, as I said to someone today, that makes perfect sense. That is a great question. But from the inside looking out, or from the outside now, but knowing what the inside's like, it's a different story. So we're going to get into that a little bit today. This is not going to be a lengthy podcast. Uh, it's late over here on the West Coast. I don't know if you can see my eyes starting to droop. Um, but we won't be really long today. I want to say tonight. Today. But... Uh, but it's something that I think is important for us to talk about, and it's something that I'm hoping others that may not have been in the podcast will see, see this episode, uh, not have been in the podcast, not have been in the cult, uh, will see this episode, and will say, okay, that kind of makes sense a little bit. So that's the goal today, is to kind of help those on the outside understand what our mindset was like on the inside, and why we let these perpetrators continue to do what they were doing. And then maybe for those on the, of us on the inside, this will give us a little catharsis kind of to talk about or think about what happened to us, excuse me, or happened to others, and why even though it wasn't okay, it wasn't right, and we now look back at it with regret for not speaking out or not standing up, maybe we'll understand a little bit what better why we didn't stand up, why we didn't speak out. So we're going to get into that in just a moment here. As I mentioned before, this piece that Sarah Smith and so many others worked so hard on has been an incredible piece of journalism for those of us that have come out of the IFP, for those of us that are still in but want to get out, and um, even for those in the IFP, it's been quite incredible. The last few days, all the traction that we've seen. In fact, side note here, there is a church in Gaylord, Michigan that I've attended a time or two by the name of Grace Baptist Church. My brother went to college at their college, Grace Baptist College, I think. I don't think it's Christian College, uh, GBCS. Grace Baptist Christian. Maybe it was Christian. I don't know. I get confused. I went to high school at Grace Baptist Christian Schools in Plymouth, Indiana, not to be confused. So GBCS is kind of stuck in my mind. Um, but as a result, this is amazing. This is, this is where... 
you know, as sordid as the details are and as sad as it is that it happened to these generally, for the most part, ladies, some, some men as well, um, it's very exciting to see traction against the perpetrator. So as a result of uh, uh, Sarah Smith's work, uh, with the telegram there in, in uh, Fort Worth as a result of that article that was published, the videos and whatnot. The, um, there are local police looking into Grace Baptist College, Grace Baptist Church, and John Jenkins and all the crazy stuff that went down there. Awful stuff. So, but by the way, again, we're on a side note, but by the way, if you are familiar with Grace Baptist Church, feel free to reach out to me, to reach out to anyone that you know that may be connected there, not necessarily active there still, but connected as far as having a past there and now being gone, feel free to reach out to me, to the podcast, because there is now an active investigation going on, and there's a lot of things going down there that need more light shed on them. So Grace Baptist College, John Jenkins, if you've got some information, you've got some details, that's not bullshit, <laughs> please feel free to send that on over uh, to me. Not necessarily that I'll be reporting, but we can get that to the right, right people, or we can connect you with the right people properly. Uh, not just reporters, we're talking about police investigators as well. So, there's something I want to get into today. And again, this episode I'm anticipating to be a lot shorter. We, towards the end, we might get, uh, might add, tack a little bit on with what I'm going to talk about with Cameron Giovanelli and Sarah Jackson. But for now, just briefly, I want to get into the power struggle and the dynamic of these pastors. And how, how do they have such power over the people beneath them? How do they have so much... Uh, their charisma, uh, Joy Evans Ryder put it so, so perfectly. I've told so many people about this already. When she said, moth to a flame. So these guys that run these churches, these guys that run uh, huge bus divisions, Howells Anderson College, these guys that run incredible youth departments, even on the smaller scale, guys that run smaller churches and smaller youth departments, even then were groomed, because I was one of them, as far as being a leader in an IFB church, were groomed from a very, very, very young age to have intense charisma, to be above reproach, not actually be above reproach. And by above reproach, I mean being without fault, being somewhat perfect, being um, untainted, if that makes sense. Not actually being that, but exuding that and putting that image out there that you can't say anything against us. In fact, I recall quite well something that it probably uh, drove a few people crazy, um, was that I was I was never wrong. When I was a youth pastor, even when I knew I was dead wrong, and a teenager called me out, I would call them out back, so to speak, and I would tell them, no, you're wrong, I'm not wrong, I'm never wrong. I remember that vividly. That's not the whiskey talking. <laughs> Let me have some more, speaking of which. I remember that very vividly. I was never wrong. I was never to be questioned. I was always right. I was a youth pastor in a little tiny church in Michigan, but I was never wrong. It didn't matter what the teenagers thought. In fact, I actually got the privilege to sit down with some teenagers that I had previously been their youth pastor for just a few months ago. And I'm not going to out anyone or say anything crazy. But <laughs> but I remember telling one of the one of the guys uh, that I, I he's an adult now. He's got a wife and a kid. I'm so happy for him. Um, he knows who he is. Maybe he's watching this. I don't know. We'll see. But I remember telling him that I brought him to the parsonage, which is across the street. Not even across the street, same block, literally next door <laughs> to the church. I brought him in, and I had sat him down and with his parents. I brought his parents in. 
and I actually sat this poor young man down as a teenager, and I was an adult, and my ego was hurt, and my pride was hurt. So I sat him down, and I don't even remember what scripture I took out of context, but I vividly remember sitting him down and telling me, me telling him, I'm sorry, that he was wrong because he backtalked me, because he told me that I was wrong, because he spoke in his mind. That's ridiculous, but that's the kind of... I wouldn't say power, because I don't feel like I had, I had power at the time. It was only two years in at the most. and uh, But that's the kind of manipulation that takes place. You can't even speak your mind without your pastor, your youth pastor, calling you in to tell you how you were wrong for speaking your mind. And I don't say that for every single IFB church across the board. In fact, there's an IFB church... Uh, I wouldn't say a few miles, quite a few miles for me that I've been to a few times in the last uh, six months, and I've thoroughly enjoyed every service. Can't say I've agreed with every single thing, but that goes for a lot of things. I listen to, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk and other influencers, and I don't agree with everything, single thing that they say as well. However, I'm not trying to say across the board, every IFB church, the pastor is the end-all, be-all. But for the most part, we've got to agree that that's the case. And we've got to agree because we've seen it over and over and over again. It's a high percentage. So what I want to get into is how does that even happen? How do these men, never women, how do these men feel that they are the end-all, be-all, and all their answers are right and all of your answers are wrong? And on top of that, again, like I said, I got into the comment section on some of these, these posts, and I saw so many people were just, again, uh, just just dumbfounded by the fact that we would stay in this cult or we would allow our children to be hurt by these people but also allow these people to continue doing what they were doing. How does that even happen? So let me dig into that. How that happens is this. That happens because these guys are God. I know that sounds silly. That sounds crazy. They're not really God. I get it. And if there is or isn't a God, I still haven't figured out. And I've actually had people call me out recently as being an atheist. I'm not necessarily mad at that. I'm not saying I'm not an atheist, but I've also never said I am an atheist. So, just saying. If there is or isn't a God, either way, how do these men get to be God? How does that happen? How does the construct work where everything that we say is wrong, or our opinion, or our beliefs don't matter as much as theirs, because they're way up here, right? And we're way down here. How does that departure happen? How do these guys end up way at the top, and how do us plebes or whatever you want to call us, commoners, end up way at the bottom. Well, it happens because of this. The IFB and many cults, mostly Christian cults, which is the IFB, uh, are a multi-level marketing scheme. So the guys on the top have the conferences, and they have the nice suits, and um, they have the tanning beds, not unlike Jack Scott had, in their houses, and they have all these, and that might be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That might be, um, not folklore, but um, urban legend about Jack Scott's tanning bed. But if someone can confirm or deny for me, go for it. Uh, hit me up in the comments. But how do they get to be upper echelon we get to be down here? Because it's an MLM, a multi-level marketing scheme. How does that work? Like this. It's a pyramid. Is that a pyramid? Pyramid. I'm not trying to do a heart. Heart? It's a pyramid. So a pyramid. The, 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 the guys that are, are, that are the big deal, they're at the top. And everything else rolls down to the rest of us. And I think actually on an episode of uh, coming up where we talk with John Keister, we talk about the MLM of the IFB. What that means is someone's way at the tippy top. Two, three, four guys are way up there. 
John Jenkins, Jack Scott, um, Bob Gray, whoever, you name them. You know who they are. They're way up here at the top. The rest of us are way down here. And what are we doing? We're running the bus routes. Right? And we're cleaning the church. God, I need to comment on this. I saw a video of a guy in a wheelchair cleaning a church earlier this week. It makes me sick. And I don't know who posted it, who shared it. So one of my friends, for sure. Man, I, and I understand like the need to stay active and be in it. But man... There's a lot more things he could be doing that are a lot better for him than cleaning, uh, than vacuuming the uh, auditorium of a church. Anyways, these guys way at the top, they're the, they're the big dogs. And the rest of us, we clean the church, we clean the toilets, we're the janitors, we're the assistant pastors, we're the youth pastors. We're not that big a deal. But these guys way, way, way up at the top of this pyramid, they're the big deal. It's a multi-level marketing scheme, and that is the best way for me to equate or help people understand, like, how do they have so much power and authority, and why do you listen to everything they say, and they're basically the Bible to you? Because they're at the top of the multi-level marketing scheme, and because, in a sense, they're God. Now, here's what's funny to me, and very ironic. When I was in the IFB, I preached hard against the Catholic Church, real hard against them. And you'll hear to this day, just about every other religion is preached really hard against, but especially the Catholics. The further out I get from the IFB, and the more I learn, and the more other religions I look at, the more I understand Catholics and the Independent Fundamental Baptist movement, and I'm not knocking Catholics by saying this. I've got good friends on my timeline that are Catholics. I've got nothing against you in regards to you as a person. But the IFB and the Catholics mimic each other a lot. The shuffling, the abuse, the perpetrators, the sexual indiscretion, and most especially, the multi-level marketing scheme. It's true. You can't deny it. They're very similar. But it's funny because I wouldn't say the Catholics preach against the Baptists, but the Baptists absolutely preach real hard. The independent fundamental Baptists preach real hard against the Catholics. Are there more than one way to heaven? Is there more than one way to heaven? I don't know. Is the Pope... All he's cracked up to be? I don't know. I do know that there's a lot of incredibly scary sexual indiscretion and abuse going on in both of these sects of religion. It's crazy and it is ironic to see the similarities between Catholicism and the IFB and the way that they've handled their perpetrators. So, getting back to the point, how does this happen? How do we keep how do we allow our our children, how do we allow ourselves to continue in this cycle of abuse. How does that even happen? It happens because these men are God, and not unlike the Catholic religion, at some point, I'm not saying now, because I haven't been to a Catholic church lately, and all I've ever known is preaching against the Catholic church, but at some point, they were your mediator between you and God. And as far as I know, you still go to confession, right, as a Catholic, and again, don't have anything against it, don't get mad at me, please, but you go to confession to have the priest interpret for you how God feels about the wicked things you've done. And it's not the same dynamic, but it's quite similar when it comes to Baptists. No, you don't go to confession, and they don't... They try to steer clear of the traditionalism of Methodists and Catholics. However, they run into traditionalism through baptism and many other things, standing and sitting and all the hymns and, and, and the traditional sound that you've got to make with your mouth during the... the uh, um, during the song service uh, to make it all of us sound the same. It's very, very similar. But the big the big thing that is very similar to me is that um, you 
your pastor, your man of God, your youth pastor, your assistant pastor, he's the mediator between you and God. He really is. And by the way, if you study your Bible, the Bible shows that Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Not your pastor, not Paul the Apostle, not Peter, not anyone else, just Jesus. And by the way, real or not, is Jesus here right now? No, he's not. So if he's real, if he was real, it makes sense to pray to Jesus, not to a man. It makes sense to go to Jesus with your problems, not to a man. Now I'm getting now I'm getting into one of my IFB sermons for sure. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is the similarities between Catholicism and the IFP are striking, number one. Number two, the biggest similarity I see is that there's this man of God and then there's God. So it starts up here, I don't know if you can see my hands, it starts up here, here, way up top is God, then beneath that is man, then beneath that, I'm sorry, way up top is God, then next is your pastor, and then next is you. So there's someone in between you and God. You can't get your messages right. Yeah, sure, you can pray and God will hear your prayers. And yeah, sure, you can go to the all-night prayer night, um, all night prayer meeting and, and you can pray all night and that's right. And you can go soul winning and when you pray to with, with the person that you're trying to lead to the Lord, those prayers go straight up to God. But in reality, there's a man between you and God. There's a man that preaches to you every Sunday to tell you what the Bible actually means, what that scripture actually means. What that confusing verse in Proverbs actually means. He is there to help you understand God. So this man between you and God, how did he get there? And more importantly, how does he stay there? Especially after he's done some awful wicked things to you or your family. He stays there through fear and through intimidation. In fact, towards the end here, in just a few minutes, we're going to get to someone that's still doing that today. Even after he's committed ridiculous, awful gross atrocities against an incredible woman, he's still existing as a pastor, as an assistant pastor, as a man in the ministry for Christ. He still exists. However, he's done some awful things, but he's allowed to continue. So the the main point that I want to get to here is how does this happen? Not just how does this happen, but how do these men continue to be pastors after they've done, they've done these awful, wicked uh, not just wicked, just evil, gross, reprehensible things. How do they get to stay in the ministry? How does someone like Cameron Giovanelli, we're going to get into him here in just a minute. How does someone like Cameron Giovanelli, Jack Scott, Jack Hiles, and there's so many, many more to name off. Um, uh, Greg Neal, Tom Neal. How do these guys get to stay in the ministry after they've done these, they've done these things that are just not gross, just criminal and terrible Especially, most especially, not always to young women, but generally to young women and sometimes to young men. How do they get to stick around? How do they have that power? The reason I'm bringing this up is because I've seen this in so many comments and so many questions like, man, I would have just left. I would have just got out of there. Like, I don't understand why you leave your family there. And let me be, be honest here. I get where people who say stuff like that, I get where they're coming from. Because from the outside looking in, it makes zero sense why you'd stick around after someone raped your daughter. So as I was saying, the cause of Christ is A number one. And you just can't, you cannot do anything that would hinder the cause of Christ. Guess what? If something is happening to you that is absolutely abuse, that rise, I wouldn't say that rises in, 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 in because of my religious background, I understand that the cause of Christ is primary. But if you can't speak out against something that's happening to you in a physical manner or even in a mentally abusive manner, 
you aren't going to like this. That supersedes the cause of Christ. If the person that's doing it to you is doing it in the name of the cause of Christ. If you read Jack Scott's letters to the girl that he molested, you'll see some incredibly gross things, of course, but you'll also see things like God wants us to be together, and this is the Lord's will, and God put you here for me. Men in these positions say this to other men, if, if it's a man that they're, that they're hurting, or they say it to a woman, if it's a woman that they're hurting. They don't care. They just want to get to keep doing the wicked, awful, gross, vile things that they're doing, and they're going to get to do it. And why is that? Now we get to the parents. Now we get to uh, grandma and grandpa. Now we get to the people that excuse me, should be standing up for the victims. Why aren't they standing up for the victims? Here's the problem. As I said before, this is this man, so there's God, and then there's your pastor, assistant pastor, youth pastor. Then there's you. Okay, we're down here at the bottom of the multi-level marketing scale. Okay, so since you can't get to God, and there's a guy in between you and God, what does that guy act as? That guy acts as God. You know, you already said it to yourself. That middle man acts as God. So because that man is God, when your child or your nephew, your niece, your cousin comes to you and says, man, this guy is doing these awful things, the first thing you'd say, the first thing, the, your first reaction is denial. No, 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 it's not, it's not possible. There's no way. So many people I talked to about Jack Scott right after he did what he did and got convicted and got sent to federal prison said it was a setup said, oh, no, he didn't do those things. There's no way. He, there's no way. No, that girl that girl baited him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he did those things, but she baited him to do them. No, no, no. He's a grown-ass man. She's a teenager. She didn't bait him to do shit. He's a pedophile. End of story. And you can't tell me that's the only person he did that to, amongst every other single person that this has come out about. So, he's your god. Look, you can say it how you want. You can frame it how you want. You can make yourself feel better about it. I get it. I've been there. I've done it. Okay? For years and years and years, I told people that the stuff you read about Jack Kyle's on the internet, it's not true. I get it. I've been there. I've done it. Guess what? The internet vets itself. If there's something incorrect on the internet, if there's something incorrect on Wikipedia, it's going to get corrected. If there's something, something incorrect on the internet about something, someone's going to log in and leave a comment. Someone's going to delete that article. It's going to get fixed. The internet lies all the time, but the internet does not consistently lie about the same thing over and over. I've defended Jack Hiles to the teeth, just like a lot of people, I want to say you, a lot of people have defended Jack Scott. It's not worth it. He's not God. He's the man of God, but we treat him like God. So if you want to bring it all down and get to the point and say what's really going on, these men are their own gods of their own little flock of people in their own little church or huge church, whatever it is, from John Wilkerson to Paul Chapel to Jack Treber, they're all their own version of a very angry God who will enact swift judgment against you for anything you say, not against God, but against them. Why? Because they're the man of God. But also, they're the human manifestation of God in the flesh. Oh, they'll never say that, and they'll never come out, and, 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 and they'll often tell you, you know, I'm not God. God, you know, God is God, we worship God, and you can talk to God anytime, and search the scriptures that these things be so. They don't mean it. They don't. They're God. Why do you think Jack Scott built a huge auditorium? He was God of that auditorium. 
Why do you think these men build incredibly ornate pulpits for themselves? Why do you think... I'm mad. <laughs> Why do you think they sit elevated from you on a platform in their own tapestry chair? Because they are the God to you. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to think about it. Jack Scott was God to me. I wanted to dress like the man. When I left Howells Anderson College and went to work at a church, I bought him a hat. I was super stoked. I, I would kiss the guy's feet if I had the opportunity. I was so stoked to finally get a picture with him that my last day at First Baptist Church, Hammond, Indiana, I was stoked beyond belief to get that picture with Jack Scott. Why? He was my God. 100%. Let me let me break it down for you a little little on a, on a simpler level. Jack Scott had a uh, what was it called? I don't know what it's called. It was a little it was a hanger that he put in his car. It, you you attached it to the back of your driver's seat, and you could put your uh, I'm doing the, am I doing the Jack Hiles? <laughs> uh, I put it on the back. You put it on the back of your driver's seat. It was a little hanger. It attached. You had to take your driver's seat off the the top of it. It attached to the back, and you could put your suit on it. I looked in his car in his 300, his red 300C, I still remember it, and I looked in his car to see how it worked, what it was. I went on eBay, found one, bought it, put it on my, so I could put my suit coat on it too. Guys, I drank the Kool-Aid just as much as anyone has drunk the Kool-Aid. Jack Scott loved pennies, I love pennies. Jack Scott like this kind of tie and this kind of suit, I like this kind of tie, I like this kind of suit. I remember vividly as a teenager... That's a lot of spit. Vividly as a teenager, looking at youth conference flyers, telling my dad, I want to figure out how to do my hair like Jack Scott. Because it's got the part and the comb over, but it's a little bit spiky in the front. That's how I want to do my hair. I got nothing against Ken Scott that I know of. I remember seeing Ken Scott at a youth camp in Morley, Michigan, where I would end up past being an assistant pastor. And seeing him wear, uh, what, what were those back in the day? Carpenter jeans with a loop for the uh, hammer. I didn't know how to use a hammer. But I remember seeing those pants and thinking, I have to, Ken Scott wears those. I have to have those. I didn't just worship the pastor. I worship the pastor's son. It went all the way. And it does for so many of us. And I know I've probably gotten off track some. But the main reason, the, 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 the big point I want to make here is we worship these men like they're God. We put these people in a position they should never have been put in. My good friend and friend of the podcast, Josh Owens, has said more than once, ultimate power ultimately corrupts. There is no excuse for these men turning into or becoming, or from the beginning, being these wicked, awful, vile, sadistic people that they are. But we can't allow this to continue. And the way that we stop it is we stop putting these men on a pedestal as God. They're not God. They never will be. Whether there's a God or not, and I am not here to say there is no God. I've been called an atheist a lot lately. It's been interesting because I'm not necessarily, and I don't have a problem with the term. I just don't know where I land on God. We've got to stop treating them as God. And we never say we treat them as God. We never say, oh, that's my God. I worship him three times a day. No, no, we don't say it, but we treat them like it. I'm not saying to be disrespectful, but I can tell you time and time again, all the men that I passed in the hallway in college, all the teachers, all the guest speakers, I treated them as God. That's my own fault. I understand that. However, we've got to stop putting these men on this incredibly high pedestal that says they can do no wrong. We've got to stop it. It's ridiculous. And that's how these problems happen. 
And I know there's more to the story. I know the cult is very far-reaching. I know there's a lot of manipulation. I know there's more beyond that. I'm more than happy to talk about that at some point. But right now, the issue at hand that I see that I'm going through these comments and finding is, how could you continue to let this man do this to you? How could you know that this is happening to your daughter and still let it continue? Because that man is God. They're not God. Stop treating them like it. End of story. I don't care where are you at? I don't, it doesn't have to be even religion. There were times when I felt like there were entrepreneurs that were God that could do no wrong. There were uh, leaders in business that could do We can all do wrong. We're all human. We're all capable of doing terrible, despicable things. And something that I've learned, this is what I'll leave you with on this point. Something that I've learned only in more recent years. And I'm not saying to immediately try to turn someone into police, into the police because of a an idea or a thought, idea or a thought. If you have, if you feel a certain way about someone, whether you want to confront them or not, if they're someone you associate with randomly or here and there or at work, I've recently had someone at work that I felt this way about. No matter what walk of life they're in, what authority they have over you, if you get that creeper vibe, you don't have to turn them into the police, but you can trust your gut. You can not let your children around them. You can do your best to not associate with them. Why? Trust your gut. Doesn't mean you need to do them bodily harm. It doesn't mean that you need to have the police start an active investigation against them. It does mean that you're allowed to be your own person, use critical thinking, and decide for yourself, I don't trust this person. They give me the creeps. I don't have to have any association with them. That's what you get to do. As a human being, it is your right to tell, not necessarily tell someone, but in your mind decide, I don't trust this person, so I'm out. I don't have association with them. There's nothing wrong with that. And please don't get me wrong, this is not me railing against victims or families of victims. We were all manipulated at a very high level by people that have been doing this for years and years and years and years. I'm not here to shit on any victim or any victim's families. I'm just saying if you're in it or if you're coming out of it or even if you're not in the IFB cult and you get a weird vibe about someone, there is nothing wrong with you looking out for your own well-being and the well-being of your family members. And so now <laughs> we're going to get into what's going on with Cameron Giovanelli and with Sarah Jackson and that investigation, I'm going to play for you a couple of videos. The first video I'm going to play for you is uh, the lovely Mrs. Sarah Jackson's video. She's going to talk to you about what's going on with the investigation, the fact that it is ongoing, the fact that she can't speak on it too much because it is an ongoing investigation. That's how it works. If you how it works, if you watch enough TV, you would already know. Um, but I do want you to hear from her. Here at Not Your Mother's Podcast, we've had a lot of folks asking lately, what's going on with Sarah Jackson? What's going on with Cameron Giovanelli? Is that investigation ongoing? Have, have we just thrown it aside? Like, what's happening? And this is why, I feel like this is why we're getting a lot of these questions, because we're used to that being the case. We're used to a lot of fireworks, and, and, and man, something's going to happen, and I'm about this, and I'm going to make this guy go away. We're used to that happening at the beginning. For the first few months or two weeks or a few days, and then it peters out and we never hear anything. That is not what's going on. Please know that. That's not what's going on with this case. So without further ado, here's Mrs. Jackson. She wants to tell you about what's going on uh, with her, and I definitely want you to watch this. It's just a few minutes, I think five minutes total. Uh, just take a few minutes and watch this from Sarah Jackson. I think you'll be, um, so a lot of you I think will be relieved and helped by what she has to say. Hi, so... 
I'm gonna try and keep this kind of short because me and my son are both not feeling well and he's in the other room so I only have a second but I wanted to hop on and give you guys an update um, but first and foremost I wanted to thank everyone that has been reaching out saying that they are still thinking about me and praying for me in this case and everyone involved um, it's been a very long eight months and every message means the world to me because there are some hard days but I could not be more appreciative for the people that I have surrounding me and encouraging me every step of the way. Just a quick update because I have had some people reach out to me asking for updates, which is perfectly fine. And I totally understand and I'm an open book. So continue reaching out. Um, I did speak with my investigator this week. We are still pushing forward. The act or the case is still active and ongoing. Um, he is right now working with a company here in Maryland trying to get his hands on a specific piece of evidence. That part I can't share, but um, if you are someone who prays, um, I'm asking that you would pray that we can get our hands on this because it would be um, a huge part of my side of the investigation, my side of the case, and I think it would help tremendously. The reason that we're having difficulty is because it has been 12 years, so that's what's taking a little bit of time, and there's some hoops that he's having to jump through to get the, his hands on it. Um, sorry. So, there's that part, and then it is very frustrating that it's taking some time, but I understand I did wait 12 years to come forward and it is gonna be a little bit more difficult to get some of the pieces of this case together to get as far as we possibly can. And it is also frustrating that someone is very present on social media recently, this last couple weeks, and I think that's why this has been picking up and people reaching out to me and totally understand I am just as frustrated. Um, I am trying my hardest not to pay attention because I don't understand how someone can just act like nothing happened and that you're this godly assistant pastor when you lived a whole other life. But none of us are perfect and I can't I can't judge how he's acting yet because I have faith that God will. And I know that God is going to have this case play out the way that he wants to. And I know that the truth is going to come out in this life or the next. And I'm just trying to keep faith in that. So if you are of the praying folk, I pray that or I ask that you continue to pray for the case and pray for me and my family and all those involved in the case and those who are currently dealing with him and that God will protect them because it is very scary that he has access to women and children still. But we're still pressing forward and please continue to reach out with questions. I'm an open book and I will hide nothing. Um, if I can't give specific details, it's only because the case is still open and I don't want to compromise it. So as soon as I can, I will continue to update and continue to share as much as possible. But I hope that you understand that I also don't want to compromise the situation or the investigation. And I want this to get to court and justice to be served. And not ruin anything because I spoke too much. So other than that, I will tell you guys as much as I can. And I also just want to put out a sincere gratefulness and thank you to everyone that is continuing to pray for me and reach out to me and encourage me. Um, 
and I just want you to know that I really appreciate it and I will try and continue to update you guys as much as possible. So thank you all so much for your encouragement. So as always, I love how open and vulnerable Sarah is about all of this that she's going through. That's something that we've definitely lacked uh, when it comes to um, I wouldn't say victims but when it comes to this narrative for a long time. So the fact that she says, you know, I'm frustrated. Uh, I believe what she said, you know, it's frustrating that he's been, Cameron, is he, has been very, uh, you know, active on social media as of late. And I'll show you uh, one, maybe two of those posts here in a few minutes. Um, but it's, it is. It's very frustrating to see someone be so active and acting so upright and holier than thou, to say the least, uh, over the last just few days. Uh, within within um, the month of December alone, and we're, we're just a few days in here, I'm not even halfway, uh, Cameron Giovanelli has posted quite a few things to social media, just acting like this doesn't exist, acting like it's not a thing, acting like there's not, acting like there's not an ongoing investigation into him. It's just crazy to me. And it's perpetrated by people like Tom and Greg Neal. They accepted him not into their flock as a member of their church, but onto their staff at Berean Baptist out in Florida. Yeah, come on, let's work with us. And I'll show you some videos here in a minute of him pumping some stuff for their bookstore or whatever it is. Uh, but I love that Sarah's open and vulnerable about, this, vulnerable about this and says, hey, look, I'm frustrated too. I know you're frustrated. Thank you for reaching out. And I want to echo that because there have been a few people that reach out to us here at Not Your Mother's Podcast. And we're grateful. I'm super grateful that people are still saying, hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm checking in. Hey, I want to know. Look, we 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 don't not we Sarah doesn't have a concrete update right now. That's not to say that it's not ongoing because the investigation is absolutely ongoing, and we're most definitely going to see Cameron Giovanelli. Whether it's behind, I believe I strongly believe behind bars, and I'll put money on that. If someone wants to get a wager going here, let me know. Um, whether it's behind bars or at least uh, you know held accountable for his actions. As a pedophile, the day is coming, and it's coming sooner than, surely sooner than he thinks. Because as you see these videos that I'll show you, not not this one. This is an older one. I don't know if you're if you're seeing this. This is an older video of him at um, at a local church here in Southern California, which I thought was ironic to see the two worlds melding uh, to one another. But um, I, just, I I won't speak too much on what Sarah said. I just let that speak for itself. But I wanted you to have a firsthand in-person update from Sarah. Unfortunately, I haven't had her on the podcast yet. That is the goal in uh, the foreseeable future. If someone wants to pay for a plane ticket, it'll be a very soon foreseeable future. Uh, just putting that out there. But anyways, I love that she's being very vulnerable and saying, you know, speaking her mind and saying, look, I'm frustrated too, but it is ongoing and we've got a detective and things are... Things are progressing. So I just want you, some of you, a lot of you, to rest assured that the case with Cameron Giovanelli is not this exciting fireworks thing at the beginning and then next thing you know, you never hear anything again. And we're not going to beat a dead horse about it either. It's an ongoing investigation. Things are happening as far as an investigation. It is ongoing. And the guy's going to get busted. It's just a matter of time. Why he keeps posting videos like the one I'm about to show you, I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense to me. If you know you did it, have a low profile at least. Get yourself a lawyer. He's done, not saying, again, that's nothing against Sarah or any victims. But just That would be the logical next step. The guy hasn't done it. Why? I have no idea. It boggles my mind as well. 
Anyways, let me show you a couple videos from him. I'm going to clip them up a little bit. Not to misconstrue or misinterpret like he does the King James Bible. Uh, but I'm just going to show you a couple clips from him. Just It's just crazy to me looking at these and seeing his victim, seeing Sarah Jackson just being out there and saying everything she has to say and getting it all out there and, and being vulnerable and honest and him being the exact opposite. It's just mind-boggling. So hold tight with us here just a second. I'll pull up Cameron's videos, a couple of them from, from, from within. Okay, let me just uh, give some context here. These videos I'm going to show you were uploaded within the last couple of weeks. I'm hoping to upload this by either the 11th or Wednesday the 12th. These are not old videos. These are very recent videos of Cameron within a week of the video that you saw just a minute ago from Sarah. So here they are. I'm coming to you on behalf of BereanPublications.com. It's our online bookstore. Today and through the rest of this week, both of these books are 40% off. We have Dr. Tom Neal's book, What You Don't Know About Prayer. It is a book filled with great scriptural truths. You'll want this for your library if you're looking for Sunday school material, Wednesday night material, or just a good book to read personally. Grab hold of this book. It's 40% off this week only. Then we have Mountain Lessons by Pastor Jerry Ross. He pastors in Indiana. Literally, these lessons were penned down and put together while he was hunting elk. And you want this book. It is a great book. 22 chapters peppered with hunting tips, historic quotes, humorous uh, moments, and humble lessons. 40% off at BereanPublications.com through Friday. God bless you, friend. Beautiful morning here in Jacksonville. I got my Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and I've just been musing on Luke chapter 5 this morning, and I posted it on Facebook at what faith point are you arguing with the Lord for a few minutes? He, he says, nevertheless, at thy word. And we see an argumentative faith. May we as the people of God have a faith in God that is not argumentative. We're going to have to just trust God. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Stop arguing with God and just trust him. Jesus is okay being your last resort today. Just ask him. You'd be surprised what will happen when we ask him in faith, believing. They, they, they exercise their faith for their friend. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, my friend, you better keep the faith. Your children may need your faith. Your mate may need your faith. Your neighbor may need your faith. But keep the faith because it's when Jesus saw their faith that he saith to the man sick of the palsy. He was leaving everything to follow Christ. I don't know what faith point you are today, but all of us go through the steps of faith. Maybe you're at that argumentative faith. Stop arguing with God and just trust Him. But faith is what's required to please God. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so keep the faith, my friend. Keep the faith. Jesus is worth every step we take in faith. Need another drink after that. I'm running low here. Look, from anyone from the inside that's our, that's on the inside now or those of us that have been on the inside for a long time, um, we understand his vocal inflections and how he's acting, but anyone from the outside looking in, that shit is weird as fuck. <laughs> Literally, I come to you today. What is that, man? Just, just fucking talk. Really. So... 
don't know, I just wanted to mock that for a moment, but like, if you're trying to pump a book, if you're just, if you're just trying to make, like, I get it, but this, the, the, what I'm speaking to is, this is how deeply entrenched this guy is with the IFB. He can't talk normal. He can't be normal. He can't act like a regular person. Why? And this is no excuse. This is not giving him uh, 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 um, the benefit of the doubt. It's none of that. All this is is saying this is how deeply entrenched this guy is with the independent fundamental Baptist movement. He can't make a quick one-minute video for Facebook and talk like a normal person. He can't do it. He can't do it. It's, it's just unreal, man. Just pump the books. Just be a normal person. Just be whatever. The guy can't do it. And again, I'm just all I'm trying to do is provide you some, um, you know, the opposite of uh, of what's parallel, but like provide you some insight into. Here's Sarah Jackson saying, "Look, I'm looking for justice. I'm, I'm working with a detective. I'm working with an investigator. Like, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this and 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 live my life." but also see the justice is done. And here's the other... I want you, just want you to see the other side of the coin. That's what this guy looks like and acts like on the same day, or within a week, I'm sorry, of the time that Sarah is releasing her her video. She actually released a letter, an open letter to Cameron, which if you want it, let me know. I'll, I'll try and put it in the comments, but I'll definitely DM it to anyone or private message it to anyone that requests it. It's beautiful. It's very well written. Here's the thing that I want us all to see. I want us to see the perpetrator acting like a perpetrator, acting like he does, being himself, being hardcore IFB bus ministry guy, and then the, the woman who's just looking for justice, who's just trying to get to the bottom of this, who's just trying, really, and she said it in, other, in, in, in her letter and in other places, she wants to keep more people from being hurt. This man is around women and children right now. This man is around people that he could quite easily cause uh, uh, all kinds of damage to. And what are Tom and Greg Neal doing? They're just letting him go about his merry way. They're, they're having him host a conference in Florida. They're having him do his own thing. Why? Because the wool is pulled over their eyes like it was mine for so long, and that's no excuse. It's just, it is what it is. The guy is a terrible person. He's a criminal, and he needs to be brought to justice, but he's out here preaching. He's out here doing the Lord's work. It's crazy. So in closing, uh, I want to read you something that I think is going to be somewhat insightful. I want to read you something from Sarah Giovanelli about being a youth pastor's wife. I've already said this, but let me reiterate, or if there's someone that's just now coming into this uh, video, I was a youth pastor. I was raised in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement for many, many years. Um, I mean, my whole life. <laughs> I was born in Hammond, Indiana. And uh, from birth, I was in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement. And so, that's a tongue twister, huh? So, uh, I just want to share with you, I was a youth pastor for about two years in uh, Michigan. And loved it, had a great time. Uh, but a lot of things went wrong, and did a lot of things wrong. Nothing that, you know, I, I feel... I've talked to a lot of the kids um, that, are the, that I was a youth pastor for, and I've apologized to a lot of them for just... You know, not being a nice person. Uh, cause that's it doesn't exude that. It doesn't um, uh, being in that vein, being that that um, authoritative figure. It just doesn't happen. You're not a nice person, generally speaking. I've got a couple of buddies. One that's a pastor, one that's a youth pastor, and I consider them nice people, even to their flock, so to speak. But they're rare, and I wasn't one of them. So, anyways, all that to say, we're going to read you a quick ex excerpt, a couple excerpts from 
Cameron Giovanelli's wife's, um, blo- I think she blogs on his blog because you know she's not as good as her husband, right? That's the that's the deal. But I want to read you a couple excerpts from her blog about being a youth pastor's wife. And I think it'll be very telling for you. And I'll, I'll give you my feedback as I've done before. But uh, laptop, please. Little call out to Hot Ones. Let me some hot. If you've never watched Hot Ones before, uh, you don't have to be a fan of this podcast and be a fan of Hot Ones. But if you like Hot Wings and you like um, interview shows, you should definitely check out Hot Ones. Anyways, that's that. This is from Sarah Giovanelli, written on December 3rd, 2018. My husband and I had the privilege to work with youth in our first two years of ministry. Well, you know who else was involved there. I honestly thought that was what God had would have us do all of our lives. I think the youth work is probably one of the hardest ministries. Most young people are facing the crossroads of life and don't know which way they want to go. The world looks so big and amazing. The Christian life, for many of them, seems like a sacrifice. Why do it? That some are just not willing to make. Can't blame them. It is the job of the youth pastor, youth pastor and his wife to point these young people in the right direction and show them that the ministry is great. And she goes on to say she feels as though she wasn't the best youth pastor's wife. Let me just pause really quick and say, I have learned the hard way, after I have some more whiskey. It's more of that black barrel. Uh, Jameson, check it out. It's good stuff. Um, I've learned the hard way that this false humility, this humility of... I was actually just shooting an event this weekend doing photography for a fight event. And I was working with a photographer who's been doing it for a lot of years. He's really great, renowned in the world, in, in, in that industry, as far as uh, sports photography. And he was looking at my my work and saying, "Man, you are doing a great job." And I initially, immediately wanted to say, "No, no, no, you're the pro. You're the." And then I realized, like, no, I'm doing a great job, and he's telling me I'm doing a great job, and that's okay. I've been in relationships with with uh, women, and they've told me, you know, I like you, or uh, uh, not, I love you. That's that's rare, and that's okay. <laughs> or they just you know they've complimented me. I just can't. I don't get mad at it, but I can't take it. Take credit, people. There's so many of us that have been taught that we don't deserve the credit, that God deserves all the credit. I'm not saying if you believe in God, he deserves no credit. I I won't go there. But I'm saying take some credit for yourself. What she's doing from the get-go, I must confess that I was not the best youth pastor's wife. You don't have to be the best, but you don't have to shit on yourself right from the beginning. In the secular world, in the real world, in the secular world, in the real world, you shit on yourself from the get-go, you lose your credibility. In the world of the IFB, you shit on yourself from the get-go, and man, people respect and trust you. Why? Because humility. That's not real humility. That's false humility. Learn the difference. There is such a thing as being humble, but also owning that you're a hard worker, and owning that you can get the job done, and understanding and, and projecting to others, like not being prideful, but saying, I'm good at what I do. Hire me. I'll do a great job for you. It's a whole different ballgame. All right. A youth pastor's wife should be a blessing to the pastor's wife, not a burden. I won't get into that one too much. When you work with teens, you don't have to act like one. I don't really agree with that. Let me read you what she has to say. You must maintain your maturity and leadership role. Your dress should be fashionable, but not faddish. I feel on that one. Your dress should be a reflection of your leadership. Dress appropriately for everything. Be attractive all the time. Your husband, this is so, I couldn't wait to read you guys this. This is so telling. This is the wife of a man 
whose husband was sexually active with one of his teenage girls, and she says, Your husband will be surrounded by young, attractive teen girls all the time. Make sure you stay attractive as well. Good God, what kind of pressure is that? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That doesn't sound unlike what Bruce Goddard had to say when he told women, when he admonished women, that you shouldn't be, when you, what you wear to bed shouldn't be, um, this isn't a direct quote, but if you want to go through Stuart Hardy's personal timeline, you'll find it. You'll find this post where he talked about women as a married uh, adult woman with children. What you wear to bed should not be centered around. Should not be centered around. Do I have to wake up and 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 cl clean one of the kids up because they puked or peed, or just have to wake up to console them in general? It should be centered around what does my how sexy can I be for my husband every night after I've been at home with the kids and I've made dinner and I've cleaned the house and I've done the laundry and I took the dog out and I did all these things for my husband. But at the end of the day. Make sure that you're in some Victoria. He says, Victoria's Secret. Make sure you're wearing perfume and some kind of Victoria's Secret outfit. That's what the husband should expect at the end of every single day. That's ridiculous. Okay, anyways, I don't, I don't know how I got off on that. <laughs> Work to protect your husband and your marriage, she says. Teen girls will oftentimes be attracted to male leadership. That is a true statement. Make sure... Anyways, make sure <laughs> that teens know that you and your husband love each other and have a strong marriage. You should let them know this in a mature fashion. You should not be all over your husband. Why not? It would be inappropriate for the teens to see that because they don't see it on TV. But you should together be together as much as possible in front of the teenagers. Okay. Uh, make sure you serve your husband at church events, not the teen girls. Ah, okay, so what you're saying is when you have a, 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 a dinner or something like that, make sure you're serving your husband. Don't let the teen girls do it. If you're in the right kind of mindset, in the right atmosphere, they shouldn't necessarily want to. And if they do, you shouldn't get bent out of shape about it. Why? Because he's not fucking them, ideally. As a youth pastor's wife, make sure that you do not hang out with the teen boys. What about the youth pastor? Nowhere, and I'll read you to the end, nowhere in it does it say... The youth, pastor sh the youth pastor shouldn't hang out with the teen girls. All it says is, as a youth pastor's wife, you shouldn't hang out with the teen boys. Youth pastor hanging out with the teen girls? Totally fine. That's what you're saying. You can't just uh, dismiss it or you can't just omit that information and say that it doesn't exist. What exists is, it's okay for him to hang out with teenage girls. It's not okay for you as the youth pastor's wife to hang out with teenage boys. Guard yourself. Remember, your number one role is that of a wife. Your second role should be to point the young ladies toward Christ and his will for them. This is just about my favorite paragraph. When you have your own children, be flexible. I've seen youth pastors' wives who have quit every ministry once they have your kids. You should. If you can afford it, drop out of whatever you're doing and spend more time with your kid. What does that hurt? Are you kidding me? You just can't do that, she says. Live by a schedule, but one that is flexible. Communicate with your husband so you know which events are important for you to attend. None of them. Decide which activities you need babysitters for and which ones you can bring the kids to. Be careful that your children are not raised by the teens. 
Okay. Remember that your children are your responsibility, not your husband's, not you and the, him together, just yours. Okay, cool. And that you and your husband should be their main influence. Influence, not responsibility. She's not saying they're his responsibility. They're saying, as a woman, they are your responsibility and yours alone. Influence, your husband can influence them, but he's not responsible for them. That is what she's saying. Take it how you will. I'm taking it out of context. That's fine. If that's how you want to see it, that's not what I'm doing. I'm looking at what she's saying. Watch your language. Don't use slang words or their vernacular. Right, because you wouldn't want to be on the same page with them. Don't say dope and... Um, I don't know if you should be a level above in every way, in your speech, your dress, etc. We are living in a generation in which our language has become very lax and inappropriate. Keep your standard in high in, keep your standard in speech high. Now, I have to say this. I do agree with that to some extent. Cursing around my child is just hasn't worked out for me because <laughs> she tends to repeat those words as a five-year-old. So, I get not cursing, but not using a teenager's vernacular, not trying to appeal to them on a, on, a, um, on a conversational level, just sounds ludicrous. When counseling or talking with teenagers, never act shocked or surprised when they confess something or do something wrong. Many times they are seeking the shock factor. Again, this is condemnation towards your teenagers. Teens love drama. By the way, I've been in the workplace for a few years. I've been in and out of relationships for a few years. We all love drama to some extent. There is some part of all of us that seeks out and thrives on that drama. So to single out teens and say teens love drama, <laughs> you're full of shit. Talk to them about what God has done in your life and tell them that the ministry is great. You shouldn't have to tell them. It should fucking show. Your teens should learn from you that serving God is the best career that they can have. Ask the girls how they are doing with their Bible reading meaning investigate. Help them to develop a walk with God. Talk to them about their future. Teach them to set goals for themselves. Many young people today are being forced to make adult decisions. Make sure that they pray for your that you pray for your teens on a daily basis. Remember that whatever their burden is, whether it is big or small, it is always big to them. They are our future leaders and you have been given the opportunity to influence them. Never take that lightly. It is a serious job and one that should be bathed in prayer. Here's the thing. That woman is wife to someone that she full well knows is a pedophile. And yet she feels the liberty and the need and the desire, or maybe she's being forced, I don't know, to post a full-length blog about how you should treat teenagers as a youth pastor and youth pastor's wife. This just this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. It's unbelievably, incredibly ludicrous that we put these people in such on such a high pedestal that we feel like they can do no wrong, number one, cheers. And also, when they do wrong, we excuse it away left and right. That's why these people are still in the ministry. That's why Cameron and Sarah Giovanelli are still in the ministry. Why? Because we excuse what they do because they are God in our eyes as independent, fundamental, Baptist flock, sheep, people, sheeple. Look, 
one point I want to make, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be done with this. I want to get very clear, just because I, I can come across as derogatory very often. Not very often towards uh, congregants of IFB churches, but at the IFB in general. I've got friends who are IFB. I, there's a church that I attend from time to time that is IFB. I've got nothing against those of you that are not perpetrators, that are not wrongdoers within the IFB movement. I just want to help if there's any hope or any um, uh, encouragement that I can offer you, I want to help you get out. Because if you put on the lenses of reality, you'll understand that getting out is really important. And if you have a family, it's beyond imperative that you get the fuck out of there. You, you don't need to be there. You're good people. You've got a great work ethic if you're in the IFB. That's just a given. You're, I, I hope you're good people. If you're not committing crimes, if you're not hurting children, if you're not hurting other people inside of that church, I think you're probably good people. I want I want to help you get out if I can. Or if you don't need my help, but you can just bounce. Man, that's great. Do it. But the last thing I want to do is offend or hurt someone that's inside that wants to get out. Or that's just barely getting out and feels like, man, this guy's just too caustic and so angry. And a great friend of mine, I mentioned him earlier on, on the podcast, Josh Owens, a great friend of mine and friend of the podcast, just did an episode about being bitter on his podcast, Good Humans. Check it out, by the way. Fucking amazing podcast. It's okay to be bitter. And I'm not excusing myself. I'm saying if you're mad at me, you're bitter, bitter at me. If you're bitter at your pastor, if you're bitter at Jack Scott, if you're bitter at your husband or your wife because they're IF. IFB beliefs. It's okay. It's okay to be bitter. We've been taught for years and years and uh, shit for decades. We've been taught over and over again that bitterness is just it's 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 this this root that takes hold inside you. It's going to kill you and all bitterness is wrong and wicked and evil. And I'm not here to say that bitterness is going to make you a better person. I'm not going to say that at all. And neither did Josh that I can recall. But it has its place. And I've been called bitter over and over and over again. Do I have some bitterness in me? Sure. Why not? Let's say I do. Do I let it run my life? Sometimes, yeah. But I know what I'm doing. Or I think I do. So if you're bitter at your pastor or some some other leader in the church, that's okay, by the way. It's okay to hold a little bitterness. You can't let it eat you up. And you'll know when it's eating you up. You're a human. You'll figure it out. You don't know what it's eating you up. It's something that Josh pointed out, and I, I want to reiterate it because it's so uh, so important. Hurt people hurt people. It's probably something that Jack Scott said a few times, but it's true. And I, I don't want to rip off his podcast at all, but he I know he said that on his podcast and, or something to that extent. Don't let the cycle, as he has said, of hurt, can, don't let yourself be the person that continues that cycle of hurt. If you're hurt and you're hurting and you hurt someone else, I mean that that sucks. And and there's no you can apologize, but there's no taking that back. So I'm not saying I'm not advocating hurting others, but if you're bitter, it's okay to be bitter. Thank you so much for sticking it out with me for this episode. 
I'm Not Your Mother's Podcast. Had a great time kind of breaking a few things down with you. Of course, feel free to shoot me a, a private message on my personal Facebook or the podcast Facebook. Um, just thrilled to have you along for the ride. and had a great time sharing with you some of these this craziness <laughs> of the IFB. If you haven't checked out Sarah Smith's work with the Star Telegram or if you haven't checked out um, uh, the other things that I had mentioned as far as Cameron Giovanelli, Sarah Jackson, feel free to message me and I'll get you links to those so you can uh, kind of get more informed on that. But I'm so grateful for each and every one of you sticking around with me, uh, listening to me ramble on and on. <laughs> I'm super grateful. And uh, to close this out, I don't think I mentioned this or yet. Maybe I have. But we have, the Nine Brothers podcast has been going on for over a year. Isn't that crazy? That's a trip. So whether you've been with me from the get-go uh, when I recorded that first episode with my mom and aired it, or whether you're just finding me today or you found me a couple months ago, I'm super grateful for each and every one of you that have enjoyed and shared and commented and liked and engaged with Nine Mother's podcast. Um, we're, we're very grateful for you here, and we can't wait for you to see what's to come in the future. Thanks so much.